to Genesis chapter 50. Genesis chapter 5, 0. Should have received an outline in your bulletin. If you did not, if you'll stick your hand up in the air, one of our ushers will get you one of those here. Just keep your hand in the air and they will seek you out. This morning we are wrapping up the series that we've been doing on the life of Joseph. And uh, I hope you've enjoyed it. I think it's been a um, a good series. Joseph went through a lot of stuff, didn't he? Uh, He really did. And uh, I don't know about you, but it kind of reminds me of... Uh, maybe not. Maybe you haven't been through stuff as bad as Joseph, but life is always full of stuff, isn't it? Life happens, and and, and stuff happens. Uh, and this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to. I want to seek to tie it all together. Uh, to kind of, you know, it's Christmas time. We're going to seek to tie it all together to kind of get get an overarching view of not just. Uh, the story here of Joseph, but how that ties in. We're going to wrap it up, tie it in, put a nice bow on it, and give it to you for Christmas, all right? So uh, here we go. If you remember from last time, all of Joseph's family had come down to Egypt from the land of Canaan in order to survive the famine. His father, uh, all of his brothers, their families. You remember about how many people was it that took the trek down to Egypt? Remember that? Talked about a couple weeks ago, 70, about 70 people by the time you got Joseph's family in there as well. And so Jacob's family had grown. It was all of his family, his sons, their wives, their kids, all of that. Uh, cattle, sheep, donkeys, everything took off. They took them down to Egypt. And Joseph provided for them all. God had put him in just the right place at just the right time for such a time as this. And Joseph, because God had placed him in the position he was in, was able to provide for his family and was able to to provide uh, food so that they could be saved from the family. He set them up in the land of, anybody remember? Goshen, that's right. Not just 20 minutes down the road, but we're talking about near Egypt in the land of Goshen. And the Israelites prospered. Jacob's family prospered. They multiplied exceedingly. And so Jacob, his family, lived in the land of Egypt. Jacob lived another 17 years before he died and went on to be with the Lord. And during this time, his family lived there, and they continued to prosper, and they continued uh, to uh, multiply as a family. We're going to pick up this morning in Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse 15. Genesis chapter 50, beginning in verse 15. Says, when Joseph's brothers saw that their father was dead, they said, Perhaps Joseph will hate us and may actually repay us for all the evil which we did to him. Now, I don't know about you, but I find this a little bit sad. Here they are, 17 years later, after they had been reunited with Joseph, after uh, their father and the whole family had gone down to Egypt and they were reunited and they hugged and they kissed and they, they, they all made up. And here Joseph's brothers are evidently for the past 17 years thinking 
that the only reason Joseph had been nice to them and hadn't taken out revenge on them was because of their father. And that now he's dead, surely Joseph will want to get his revenge. Look at verse 16. So they sent messengers to Joseph saying, Before your father died, he commanded saying, Thus you shall say to Joseph, I beg you, please forgive the trespass of your brothers and their sin, for they did evil to you. Now please forgive the trespass of the servants of the God of your father. And look at this next sentence here. It says, And Joseph wept when they spoke to him. You know, I believe this broke Joseph's heart. For them to think that he was still mad at them, for, for them to even think that he could hold a grudge this long. Look at verse 18 and look at, look at what they do and then look at how Joseph responds. Verse 18, then his brothers also went and fell down before his face and they said, behold, we are your servants. So here they are. Man, it's brought full circle from where they were when they sold Joseph into slavery, hasn't it? Here they were, they were, didn't like Joseph, they didn't like the fact that he was the favored son and ha- flaunted his coat and flaunted his dreams and all this stuff. And here, we've seen it a couple of times before now, but here, full circle, the prophecy that God gave through the dreams of Joseph fully realized here as they willingly, humbly bow down and acknowledge Joseph as Uh, the one who is providing for them and taking care of them. But look at verse 19. Look what Joseph says to them. As they come, they're afraid that he's going to, that that he is going to take out vengeance on them. Joseph says to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? Friends, I think we would do well to circle and underline that sentence. Amen? How often do we try to play God in our lives? We get mad at somebody or angry at somebody. How dare they? And we think, are we in the place of God? Joseph realized he wasn't. Look at verse 20. He even explains. He says, as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. In order to bring about, as it is this day, to save many people alive. Therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you, Joseph says, and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Friends, Joseph realized what they had intended for evil, God meant for good. Amen? Their plans were to get rid of Joseph. Their plans were to to do away with him, friends. But God's plans were to use this terrible event in Joseph's life in order to save their whole family. Uh, Listen, Aren't you great? Aren't you glad that God's plans supersede human plans? <laughs> Amen? Aren't you glad for that? You know, here they were wanting Joseph done away with, but God had other things in store. God has a way of taking the mess that happens in our lives and turning it and weaving it and bringing good out of it. Amen? That's what I want you to take heart, friends. When, when, when we have our plans or, or, or maybe when somebody else has their plans and it doesn't go along with what we think and it doesn't go along even maybe with what we think are God's plans. Listen, in the short term, it may seem like they're winning. Amen? It may seem like um, um, the devil's plans are, are winning. You know, when Jesus died on the cross devil thought he had the upper hand. 
Did he? Never. He never had the upper hand. God's plans always went out, friends. God's plans always went out. That's what I want you to get from this whole story. I want you to see this morning, friends. You know, I'm sure Joseph had different plans for his life, don't you think? You know, I'm sure Joseph kind of, I bet, I'm sure he kind of probably wanted to go off to sheep college somewhere, you know, find a nice little Hebrew wife, you know, settle down on a ranch out in the middle of the desert somewhere and, and make lots of money raising sheep. He didn't plan on uh, getting sold into slavery. It wasn't part of his plans. God, this is not on the docket. It wasn't his plan to end up in Potiphar's house. It wasn't everything that happened to him weren't they weren't his plans, friends, but they were God's plans. Amen. Why do we have so much trouble trusting God's plans? Why can't we just rest in God's plan? You say, Pastor, because some of the intermediate stuff hurts. Listen, I get that. Amen? I get that. Some of the stuff that happens to us hurts. It's, it's painstaking. And I think we have trouble trusting God's plans because, listen, a lot of times we're afraid of what God's plans might entail. Amen? We say, you know, I want to do things. My, listen, here's the deal. You can fight God all you want, friends, but your plan will not win out. Just be harder to... Just make it harder for you. Sometimes, friends, we, we have trouble trusting God's plans because it's, it's not what we want. So, so here's what I want to get across to you this morning. Even though you may think it's not what you want, friends, God's plans are always bigger and better than our plans. God's plans are always bigger and better than our plans. Let me ask you a question. We've been looking at this story of, of Joseph and Jacob, his father, who God renamed Israel. And this is the, the founding of the Israelites here. That's, this is where the Israelite nation came from. If you're not up on your biblical history and so forth, and man, we'll really key in on that here in just a second. But why is this story about Joseph and his family even in the Bible at all? Why is it here? Is it here to finish out the book of Genesis just to, just to show us that God works in mysterious ways? Now, God does work in mysterious ways, doesn't he? You know, God, God, as I say, God can hit a straight lick with a crooked stick any day. Okay, He takes the bad stuff that happens in our lives. He takes the terrible things that happen to us and the, the mistakes we make and the sin we do, and he weaves it all into his beautiful story. Amen? But this story's not here just to show us that, that God works in mysterious ways. Is it here just to show us how God can save and preserve a family? Well, friends, God can certainly save and preserve a family. Amen? I mean, yes, that's part of it, but friends, listen, there is a bigger story going on here, and I want to show you it this morning. Turn over to Luke chapter 1. Turn over to Luke chapter 1. I want to kind of dial in this morning. I said we were going to kind of be looking at the overarching view, and we're actually going to bring in Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to spend the rest of our time this morning as we kind of dial this in, relate what we've been talking about to God's greater plan. Luke chapter 1, let's begin reading in verse 26. And glad God did this for us so that we can 
kind of turn our focus from Joseph way back in the Old Testament to Jesus in the New. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, says this. Now in the sixth month, it's the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, and we'll come back to that here in just a minute. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. Now, different Joseph, right? Some 1,500 years later or so, a totally different man. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he, look at verse 33 here, and he will reign over the house of what? Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. Friends, what we see here in Luke chapter 1, some 1,500 years later or so, is that God's plan for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob all along was not just to make a great and mighty nation of them. He did that. The, the Israelites, that's still uh, really only the still pure nation that, that exists today. But that's not the only reason, uh, God, the only, God's only plan for Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God's plan was to send through them and that nation the Messiah and Savior of the world. And friends, all of this stuff that we've been looking at that happened in the life of Joseph... Why did all that stuff go on? Why did Joseph get sold into slavery? Why did Joseph get accused of, of, of rape? Why all that stuff, friends, was ultimately for the purpose of preserving the lineage of the Messiah that he would send one day. I don't know about you, but that is awesome. Amen? It's awesome. Friends, God's ways are so much higher than our ways. God's plans are so much greater than our plans. So the question for us is this. We want to see that we can trust God's plans, but how can we come to simply rest and trust in God's ways and plans? I want to give you three, three truths this morning. Three simple basic, basic truths we're going to look at here in Luke chapter 1 that will help you, I hope, to just simply rest and trust in God's plans. Take your outline this morning, number one. Number one. The first thing we need to realize the first truth we need to embrace is this, friends. God's plans don't always make sense to us. God's plans don't always make sense to us. I want you to look at verse 34 here in Luke chapter 1. How did Mary respond when the angel came and told her what was going to happen in her life? Her first response, verse 34, Mary said to the angel, What? <laughs> How can this be? How, how is this going to how, how in the world can this happen since I do not know a man? Friends, all this didn't make sense to her. She was unmarried. She was not pregnant. She never had sexual relations with anyone. How in the world am I, she said, she said how am I supposed to have a baby? And how is this be? How can this happen? 
Friends, here's what we must understand. We must understand that God's plans are not always going to make sense to our human finite minds. Amen? They're not going to always make sense to us. Uh, This didn't make sense to Mary. And if you think about all the stuff that happened to Joseph, I'm sure all that didn't make sense to him at the time either. Amen? You know, uh, why did his brothers betray him and sell him into slavery? God, why? Why'd you allow them to do that to me? I can't believe, you know, why did, why did Potiphar's wife accuse him of rape? God, I, I, here I am. I'm just living for you, God. I'm doing the right things. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, God. And you allowed this to happen. Why, why, did, why, did, he, why did he get stuck in prison for, for over two years? Why, God? Why, 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 why? Friends, can I tell you why? Here's why. Because all that stuff that happened, all those things that happened to him, led to him. They all were just steps along the process that led to Joseph being placed second in command of all of Egypt And so that he would be able to be in a position that he could save his family and preserve the lineage of Christ, uh, save his family from the famine. Friends, God's plans are so much greater than our plans. Amen? God's plans don't always make sense to us, friends. That's why, what's our response? We just simply need to trust God. I want you to think about some of the other things God has done. I just want you to think about God, you mean you're going to take a bunch of fishermen, a bunch of uneducated men, and you're going to make them the the founders and teachers and 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 instigators spreaders of your kingdom? God, you're going to do that. God, that, that really doesn't make a lot of sense. Why don't you get some educated folk? You know? God, why don't you get some folk that know what they're doing, you know? what God did, isn't it? He took 12 guys. Jesus said, come, follow me. And he poured his life into them for three years. And then he sent them out. And they changed the world. God, God, wait a minute. God, you mean mean you're going to take someone who was probably one of the worst persecutors of Christians in the early church? Who, who wanted Christians dead, who stood by and, and, and signed off on their deaths, you're going to take him and you're going to make him into the greatest evangelist and theologian ever? Yep. God, I'm not sure that's going to work. You know, can you imagine if we were counseling God? Uh, God, I, I really wouldn't do that, do it that way. You know, I'd pick somebody different. friends. But that's what he did in the Apostle Paul. Amen? That's what he did. God's plans, they don't always make sense to us. Why would God take a southern boy from Spartanburg, South Carolina and, and, and a family from Southern California and drop them here in Winter Wonderland in South Bend, Indiana? I don't know either. But God's plans don't always make sense to us. Amen? That's what I want you to learn this morning, friends. God's plans don't always make sense to us. In fact, if, if they do make sense, a lot of times I question, say, okay, is this really God's plan or is this my plan? God's plans oftentimes don't make sense to us, friends. Just because something doesn't make sense to our finite minds doesn't mean it's not God's plan. Why don't you look at this verse with me? Or did we lose it? 
Isaiah chapter 55, 8 through 9. Here we go. It says this, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Friends, God's plans are so much greater than ours. Let's just realize that. Leads us right into number two, into the second truth that, that we need to embrace in order to trust in God's plans, friends. And that's this. Not only are God's plans, uh, do they often not make sense, friends, but God's plans are often beyond human possibility. God's plans are often beyond human possibility. Look at verse 35. Mary said, how can this be? I don't know a man. So the angel told her. Here's what's going to happen, Mary. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Friends, this was a God thing. Amen? It was a miracle. Okay? That's, that's why Jesus is God in the flesh. This is outside of human possibility. Because it was a miracle of God. Look at verse 36. We, look at, we see another miracle. It says, now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. Now, Mary was a young girl, but Elizabeth, we don't know if she was a cousin, an aunt, whatever exactly, but a relative of hers, uh, it tells us back in chapter 1, back a few verses earlier in verse 7, that she and her husband, Zacharias, it says, both were well advanced in age. Now, if you're well advanced in age, don't you like that terminology? (laughs) Now, was that 40 50, 60, I don't know what that was. But here's the point. The point is that she was well beyond normal childbearing age. 80? Reminds us of Abraham and Sarah, right? Okay? Whatever it was, she was well beyond. Yet it says here, this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. So Mary's relative Elizabeth in her old age is also pregnant far beyond the time that is normal. Uh, that that is normally possible. So Mary conceiving and giving birth as a virgin, Elizabeth having a son in her old age when she's been barren for many many years, a young Hebrew boy being sold into slavery and then rising to power as the second in command in Egypt. How could all those things come about, friends? Humanly speaking, they couldn't. Amen. But with God, they did. Verse thirty-seven tells us. With God, nothing will be impossible. You know, we often dismiss certain things and certain ideas because we, we think things like, you know, I, I'm just not capable of that. I, I don't have the skills to do that. And we just dismiss stuff. We think, you know, uh, that would take too much effort. That would take too much money. And so we dismiss certain things that God may be calling us to do or telling us to do. You know, churches even dismiss what God is telling them to do because, because they think things like, you know, we just don't have the manpower to get that done. We can't do that because we're just a small church. We, we could never do something like that. Can I let you in on a secret? If a plan is from God, if a plan is truly from God, there will always be those types of concerns. Always. 
whether that's you individually or whether that's us as a church or an organization or whatever, there will always be what Henry Blackaby calls in his book, uh, uh, Experiencing God, he calls it a crisis of belief. There's always going to be a point at which you have to decide either I'm going to trust God and I'm going to move forward in trusting God or I am not. Always. And so when we feel that tension and we feel like, you know what, uh, I, I, I don't know if I should do this or not. Friends, you need to ask yourself, is this something God's calling you to do? Is this something as a church God's calling us to do? And if it is, listen, a lot of times, see what happens is we feel that tension and we feel fearful. And what do we do? We cower back. God's calling you to do it. Take courage. Amen? Take courage. Step out in courage. Know that God, God's plans are bigger than our plans, friends. God, uh, you're always going to have those types of concerns. So it's not, it's not a question of whether, you know, whether I can do something great or not. You know what the question is? Will I obey God? Am I going to trust God? Am I just going to trust God and obey Him? And I'm going to move forward because I believe this is what God's calling me to do. Friends, that leads us right into the third truth I want to share with you this morning as we kind of begin to wrap up this morning. And that's this. God's plans require only two things. Our trust and our obedience. You know, if you think about it, Mary was in an extremely difficult and potentially embarrassing situation, wasn't she? She was not married. She would soon be with child. She, uh, her, her soon-to-be husband, Joseph, would know that the child wasn't his. And accusations of adultery were surely to follow. Yet, in verse 38, look how Mary responded. Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Oh, that that would be our heart. Amen. Oh, that that would be our response to God. God, you want me to witness to my neighbors? I'm your servant. I just want to do what you want me to do. God, you want me to step out and take a leading role in leading my family? I'm your servant, Lord. That's what you've called me to do. That's what I'm going to do. God, you want me to go humble myself and apologize to that person whom I've got a difficult relationship with? Whatever you want, God, let it be to me according to your word. Friends, oh, that we would simply obey God. Amen. You know what trust is? Trust is... Is that we, uh, trust is believing that when we do what God says, that's going to be the best result. That's what trust is. See, a lot of times we think that trust is abstract. Faith is abstract. See, the Bible doesn't teach that faith is abstract. We like to think, oh, well, we separate the, the spiritual from the physical. And we separate uh, spiritual things from the actions and the things that we do in our life. But see, what the Bible says is that trust or faith requires obedience. 
That's what faith is. Faith is believing that what God said is true and then living according to that. Basing our life according to that. And, and it, it, faith is, is when you get down that when there's a decision to, 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 to follow God or to do things our own way, I'm going to follow God because even though I want to do things my own way and I want to do this, I'm going to trust that even though I don't want to do this right now, that if I do this, God's plan is better than my plan. Amen? Mary is where she was. It's where Joseph was. Amen? No matter what happened to him, no matter the stuff he went through, Joseph trusted God through it all. And friends, no matter what's going on in your life, no matter how difficult things may be, no matter what life may throw at you, right? How are we supposed to respond? Trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus. Can I give you a few hints? Friends, God doesn't need your help. God doesn't need us to manipulate the situation. God doesn't need our input. God doesn't need, listen, here's the deal. God doesn't even need us to understand what he's doing. Isn't that our tendency? God, God, I will, I will trust you, God, and I'll do what you say, but help me to see what you're doing, God. Help, help me to know what's going to come out of this, God. Uh, no, that's, that's putting, you, you're trying to demand God. You know, God doesn't need us to even understand what he's doing. Here's what he wants us to do. He simply wants us to step out and trust him. Amen? Trust him. See, that's what I hope you've gotten through this whole story of Joseph. And now we've tied it in to, to Mary and the birth of Jesus, friends, is that God knows what he's doing. God's plans are so much bigger than our plans could ever be. God's a God you can trust. God's a God that you can know that he's working all things together for the good of those who love him. Are you doing that? Are you trusting him? Are you obeying him? I want to close this morning with a story. Uh, We've been talking about Joseph some probably 3,500 years ago. Story of Jesus 2,000 years ago. Pastor, does God still work today? Does God still, is God still in control? Is, is, can we still trust his plan? I want to close by giving you, by sharing a story with you that I hope will give you some assurance. Friends, that God is still in control. And that you can put your assurance in him, even today. The year, 1945. A young man named Cliff and his fiancée were planning on getting married. They scraped all the money they could together, just enough money for a simple wedding and two train tickets to a city with a resort hotel. However, once they got to the city, they found the hotel. Guess what? They discovered that the hotel had gone out of business. (laughs) And they'd closed down the doors. What were they going to do? In an unfamiliar city with nowhere to stay, little money, back in 1945, they decided to hitch a ride. (laughs) So that's what they did. Driver picked them up. The driver who gave them a ride felt sorry for them. So he took them to a grocery store that a friend of his owned. And the newlyweds spent their first night in a room above that grocery store. 
The store owner took a liking to them, arranged for them to spend the rest of their honeymoon at a friend's house. Hardly the honeymoon they were envisioning, but (laughs) it was better than nothing. Several days later, their new host invited them to attend a youth rally nearby where a young new evangelist happened to be speaking that night. As they got there, they found out that the song leader who was supposed to be leading the music had gotten sick. They didn't have anybody to lead the music. Come to find out, this young man, Cliff, who uh, was the young newlywed in this strange city, staying at Stranger's house, was a musician, a very talented musician. And so I don't know exactly how that happened, but he was asked to lead the music that night at this rally that he didn't know anybody at. And he just happened to be at because of this bad circumstance of events. Friends, the rest is, as they say, history. That young newlywed who led the singing that night, some of you won't know this name, but many of you will, Cliff Barrows. He was, for many, 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 many years, the song leader for an evangelist that maybe you've heard of sometime by the name of Billy Graham was that young evangelist that night. That night, because of a blown-up honeymoon that got messed up, God orchestrated events that Cliff and Billy Graham would meet and would begin a partnership in ministry that would last for many, many years, see many, many people come to know Christ, and see great things done for the kingdom of God all over the world. Who could orchestrate something like that? Who could write that story? Friends, God did it. God did it. God, the same God. The same God we've been reading about is alive and active today. And friends, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what heartache you have going on in your life right now. Would you just give it over to God? His heart hurts with yours. He'll take that heartache and he'll fill it with his love. And he'll take it, and I don't know how, but he'll turn it into good. Would you give it over to him? I ask you to bow your heads and pray. Where are you this morning? Have you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Have you invited Him into your life? If you haven't, I want to invite you today to simply say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you were who you say you were. I believe that you were God in the flesh. I believe that you died to pay the penalty for my sins. I believe you rose from the grave to give me new life. Today, I want to invite you into my life and into my heart to take over in my life. Maybe you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But you've you've had some heartbreak, some difficult things going on in your life recently. And friends, you just just need to have that reassurance that God is in control. He knows your pain. He knows what you're going through. Friends, I just want to encourage you. Hold on tightly to Him. 
right now, right in your seat, would you just, would you just tell him that, God, I don't understand, but I still trust you. I'm going to give you the freedom to say, God, I don't like what's been going on. But I still trust you. Today, would you draw close to him? I'm just going to ask you to keep your heads bowed, your eyes closed. Let the praise team just start singing. Let you do business with God. Our altar is going to be open here in just a minute. You can come do business at the altar or right there in your seat. Skies of Bethlehem appeared a star. 